This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, bro, what is virtual security engineering? Funny you should ask that. I kind of <laughs> had to ask that question myself when I interviewed Mark Quabell for this episode. I, I was talking to him on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, you want to come over to Anglerfish and talk? And he's like, sure. And I was like, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, how about virtual security engineering? And I was like, huh? What's that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that, and we talk about this, we touch on it during the interview, but I was in North Carolina a couple months ago and was speaking and this network administrator comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure. He's like, uh, look, I, I just got out of the military. I'm now network admin here where I was talking. And he was like, I got to tell you, I don't know what I'm doing. So I was like, huh? He's like, man, he said again, I really don't know what I'm doing. And he was, this guy was scared to death. And I was like, okay, what are you running? He's like, well, I'm running Splunk. Well, for those who don't know, Splunk is an outstanding system, but it's, it's, it's basically its own little, you, I mean, you almost have to have a college degree to understand how to properly use a Splunk for defense and cybersecurity. So we're talking, and I'm like, uh, you really don't understand. He's like, you know, I've got the certificates, don't know what I'm doing. So I was talking to Mark, Mark Kobel. You know, now we've got coronavirus, countries shutting down, things like that. And he mentioned that, you know, what people can do, an idea that he's got is, and Mark, I think Mark can do this. Uh, Mark's very competent. He's, he's, he's beyond competent with, with what he does with cybersecurity and, and everything. I mean, he's outstanding. But he was mentioning, he's like, you know, what, what can happen is that you hire a security engineer to come in and do your security. Except instead of having them on site, they can remote in. Ah. Hey, so you were a remote or a virtual security engineer. Mm-hmm. Someone who takes care of all of your security for you in case maybe you've got people hired that might not know what they're doing. Right. You can have somebody like Mark come in and he will make sure everything's running properly for you. And of course, I mean, you don't have to have them on site. He can take care of many, many clients at the same time, everything else. So the conversation today is, it's about that. More than that, though, Mark is, Mark's just an outstanding guy. I mean, he has, uh, he's got great stories. He's fun to talk to. He, uh, he told me that uh, I had missed a phone call with him. So two hours after I missed the phone call, he sends me a text message. Something about, uh, what did it say? It said, uh, keep commitments much, <laughs> was his message. And I mean, it made me feel like just a piece of crap. So I sent him a message back. I was like, hey, I can talk right now. Can you talk? 
So I called him, and he was like, that's all right, man. He said, I'm used to being ignored. I mean, just Debbie Downer. <laughs> and, uh, so, but uh, you know what? He's a great guy. He's great to talk to. He spent some time in Afghanistan doing security stuff, doing some stuff he couldn't talk about. Uh, one of the things he does tell a story about is how his World of Warcraft character gets PTSD while he's over there. <laughs> so uh, we'll let him tell that story. But I, I'll tell you, Mark Quibell is an outstanding person. He's highly educated. He's beyond competent in cybersecurity, and he is a joy to talk to. So Mark Quibell, how many Marks are there out there? I don't know, but he's one of the most ignored ones. <laughs> <laughs> to hear him tell it. <laughs> don't ignore the callers, Brad. <laughs> Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we navigate the dark waters of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Season one of Anglerfish tells the story of my rise and fall as the original internet godfather, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to now being focused on protecting people from the type of person I used to be. This second season of the Anglerfish Podcast dives into the deepest, darkest waters of our online lives. We'll be discussing fraud and financial cybercrime, sure, but also human trafficking, drugs, cyberbullying, fake news, extremist groups, nation-state attacks, child pornography, and more. Anglerfish believes shedding light on the darkest parts of the Internet helps us to better understand the problems and find solutions instead of living in a world of... This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Fear. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast. Today we are honored to be joined with Mark Cabell. Cabell? Quibell? How is it, Mark? <laughs> All right. So I'll let you say it because I'm from Eastern Kentucky and I have trouble with words sometimes. You know, we we hill dwellers are like that. <laughs> All the above. No, it's Quibell. <laughs> all right. So Mark Quibell, <laughs> he says, I have heard them all. Mark, I want to tell you, I, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, for the audience that you that may not know, and I'm sure you don't know, but Mark and I had spoken last week. I was supposed to contact him and call him yesterday at 2 p.m. So, of course, around 4 p.m., Mark sends me a message saying, hey, do you keep commitments much? And I felt like the lowest piece of dirt on the planet. I was like, oh. So I sent you a message, Mark, and I was like, hey, I'm not even going to try to lie about it. <laughs> I just forgot. And you you told me this, you gave me this line of, you know, Brett, I'm used to being ignored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, and you said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, I have this philosophy in life. You keep your expectations low. That way you're never disappointed. 
<laughs> and I'm thinking about adopting that philosophy because my expectations tend to be high and I'm constantly disappointed. So maybe, maybe I should change teams. <laughs> I understand. So, so Mark, what type of work do you do? I've been uh, an IT nerd for several decades. Uh, and then I, I finally got, uh, well, let me start from the beginning. I was Absolutely, born. please. You know, I was born and then, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I was an army brat for a while and I, you know, I, I've read or not read, I've heard, I've listened to some of your podcasts and I yes, think sir. it's very interesting. And you got kind of a, like a history like I have. Ah, I'm hoping that yours didn't veer off into the criminal. Mine did not go as bad as yours did. Good. By any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it went, it went the other direction, but, um, getting back to our similarities, I was mm -hmm. born in Nuremberg, Germany as part of this stepfather army deal going on. Gotcha. So I've had a few stepfathers who were in the army. My original father was in the army, met my mother in France when they still had, still had a base there. Oh, wow. Got her all knocked up when she was like 15. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Pepper over there, he's pretty pissed off about that because he was a staunch old German resistance fighter. Sure. He was a principal. And I'm going to make a long story short, but uh, we have a lot of similarities. Anyway, it sounds like it. I got past all that. Obviously, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, I, I'm a slow learner. It took me a few yeah. decades. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of the guy. You kind of remind me of Frank Abagnale Jr. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had to go around giving these talks. It's not because he wanted to, you know, kind of like what you're doing, podcasting, but not. Right. He had to do that as part of his his FBI sentencing and all that stuff. But anyways, I met the guy. He was he's a genius. He is. He's he's uh, a very good guy. So getting back to my story, though, I went uh, joined the Marines after a while because no way I was going to join the Army after this deal. And uh, <laughs> so I the Marines. but but I went in. I wanted to be an electronics guy in the Air Force. Okay. Well, that didn't work out because Air Force never called me back. Uh, they were too busy, apparently, or something. I don't know. And I guess it's, is this where the, the history of just being disappointed starts right here? Yeah, well, it, it, I think it starts in the Marines because, you know, uh, <clears throat> I got in there and I, I turned out to be an MP. Which oh. Here, here's where you, our, our paths diverge. <laughs> right, right. So I was an MP in the Marines and, you know, I started losing expectations because I wanted to make Corporal E4, and I never did until the month I, before I got out, and that was late. Oh, geez. And they kept raising the score because there were too many corporals, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, so I got out of the Marines after four years, honorable and all that stuff. Got a good law enforcement background, worked a lot with the Border Patrol when I was in the Marines, so I thought okay. I'd try that. That didn't so, work. So out. let me ask you, just just to stop on your, your history with the MPs, the military police, mm -hmm. what type of knuckleheads did you have to deal with? Man, I hated, I hated babysitting people. <laughs> the biggest, gnarliest, knot-headedest, hard-headed people in the Marines you got to deal with. Now, I always work night shift, of course. With of the course. Dog, you know, trying to wrestle those guys around, and it was no fun at all. But uh, Was that what it mostly was, was just uh, guys out partying too much and oh, just yeah. being idiots? Or, okay. I mean, we did the same thing, so. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'm not getting caught, right? 
Yeah, wh- where were you stationed? Uh, I was at Camp Pendleton, California. Okay. Okinawa, Philippines. Nice, nice. So you went all over the place. Gotcha. And and spent some time in Texas. Where in Texas? Well, I was in the Dallas area. I lived there for a while. Okay. I thought you were, or you were, you had spent some time there, but maybe. Well, I I did spend some time there. I spent. uh, I was, I was a, a resident of Texas by force for about five years. So uh, (laughs) two and a half years. Yeah. Two and a half years in big spring, Texas, then uh, two and a half years in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, both uh, federal facilities. (laughs) County. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Moving up my story. I always love computers. I did my, I got to tell you this story though. I did my Mm -hmm. first hacking computer experience back in 70 something eight. I think it's 79. Augsburg, Germany. I don't know if you've been there. I have, yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Great place. Yeah, we lived, uh, my dad was a helicopter pilot, uh, captain in the army, so we lived in, uh, we were stationed in Schwabisch Hall for three years and got to tour all over Germany, Europe, and everything else during those three years. Yeah, beautiful there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was high school age then, okay, so I probably predate you five years or something. Right. Anyways, we had these teletype machines, believe it or not. It's those machines that have the paper instead of yes yes so that was our computers and they were actually networked i mean they had a serial network connection okay and they had these like little paper tapes you could save data to and run and read data from anyways this is my first hacking job i did where we would be programming our little basic programs and i found out that i should i could actually talk to the other or output to the other machine next to me (laughs) So this guy's over there <laughs> typing away and doing his programming. And all of a sudden, I, I throw some syntax errors out there. <laughs> and he's going crazy. What the hell's wrong with his program? You know, I, right? I don't know, man. Maybe it, just, just look it over, you know. And he said, hey, he has, it's hard to do on a teletype. You just can't scroll. Right. So the guy's going crazy trying to figure it out and getting all this paper out and tearing it all off. And man, where did I go wrong? What, what does that say? Line one oh one? There, there isn't even a line three yet. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that was my first uh, hacking attempt or. I like it. I like it. So I noticed on your, on your LinkedIn profile, you say a blue team expert. What does that mean? Uh, I, I do a lot of remediate, not remediation, um, security posture improvements. Okay. I guess you could call it. Um, improving uh configurations like i don't know firewall configurations making sure they're set up right making sure they have the right rule sets uh hips hids sure host intrusion uh, host intrusion prevention systems intrusion prevention systems uh which are now the same thing as next generation firewalls right right and you know vpn connectivity I, I help people improve their security postures. Outstanding. And, and okay, so you went from the, you were in the MPs. How did you end up doing what you're doing right now? I don't know. I finally got an opportunity. I was actually a truck driver for a while too. A truck driver? Yeah. So before I could go to college, after the Marines, I had to make some money. So somehow I ended up being a truck driver for about three years. And not bad. Did you enjoy that job or not? I loved it. 
yeah, it's, uh, I, I was a taxi driver for a while, and I, I've got to tell you, I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got a lot of people to talk to. I'm just, it's kind of like working from home, right? You're just kind of in your yeah. own. Uh, but no, I loved it. I, I liked my little cab. I liked the sleeping back there. And Outstanding. Where, did you go cross country or not? Oh, yeah. Nice. Into all states. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So now, and I'm, I'm looking at your, I'm looking at your, your work history here. I mean, I'm seeing IT security admin for Farm Bureau. I'm seeing senior systems engineer for GE Cap, uh, network engineer for Northland. I'm seeing all these, all these DOD information assurance security officer. So you've got quite the resume. Yeah, that the DOD assurance was, uh, that was in Afghanistan in 2011. Now, what took you to Afghanistan? Some crazy idea for an adventure. I don't know. It was, <laughs> I was 50 or something. Was I <laughs> yeah, I guess I was 50 back then. And, um, you know, I, me and Farm Bureau had a falling out. Okay. I got tired of their crap. And, uh, you know, I got tired of the corporate, uh, corporate bullshit politics is really what it was. You know, I, I've, I've never done corporate until I became a, a legal person. And yeah, I see a lot of that bullshit too. (laughs) Lucky you, you know, I'm trying to stay away from it, but, um, anyways, uh, I thought, you know, this would be great. Uh, I can make a lot of money going to Afghanistan. Right. And I did, but I paid for it. (laughs) How did you pay for it? What happened? Uh, It was rough on me as a 50 year old man. You know, most of those people are civilians who will go over there as contractors, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they don't give us medals for that. We don't right. get uh, veteran bef- benefits for that. We don't. We aren't recognized as veterans. We're just going there to make money, and if we get hurt or killed or anything, it, nobody really cares except for the family. Sure. We don't have that support system in the background. But um, being a former Marine, like I, you know, I know, I know how the military operates. wasn't too bad, but they allowed me a, a, a duffel bag full of my personal items. Okay. That's one bag for myself for a year. So you got, you got one bag for a year. And I had to carry their shit, their arm, their body armor and a bag that, that weighed 120 pounds. So both of my bags were like 200 pounds. Oh, geez. And I had to lug those everywhere I went to get to my destination. And if you've ever been to Bagram. And I know, have not. <laughs> that's the place where happiness dies. <laughs> Bagram Air Base run by the air force worst, so it's that bad the worst i don't know what i don't you can't even call it an airport it's like an airfield you know of uh a bunch of pilot junkies i don't know right right so, i mean not even the bathrooms worked there it's it was it was horrible you know you, you, there's no schedule you can't schedule a flight for example you gotta wait wow. in line right there's nowhere to wait so across the way was the USO and that's packed. <laughs> so everybody's sleeping outside on their 200 pound packs. Right. Their 200 pound, um, duffel bags. Right. Mm-hmm. And for three days, that's how I had to live before I finally got to a destination, not my final one, right? but to a destination to do a little onsite training. And uh, I finally got out of that other place. I don't know how many bases I've been in Afghanistan, maybe four total. Oh, wow. Finally ended up in Jalalabad, 
a lot of people know that's the base where the CIA set up for killing Osama. Right, right. And uh, so I was at that base. It was pretty crazy there. You know, it was on the border of Pakistan. So we, we got bombed a lot. Uh, Jeez, but, uh, I, you know, I was, I was fair. Everybody was fairly safe because it was a huge base. And the guys, apparently, Afghans don't know how to aim. So they, they always missed. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me ask you. So you, you said you got bombed a lot. And I've known, I've got some family that was over there and, and some friends that, that have been over there. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were in the bases and they, they talk about the bombing, the, the bombs landing and, and the explosions and everything. And, and while those weren't hitting the base, they were close enough that they gave some of these people that I know PTSD. Have you, have you suffered from anything like that or not? No, no, I don't have any of that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I got to tell you, maybe I got a little virtual PTSD. Because I, was, uh, I was sitting in my room and the biggest bomb that ever hit, hit us, I think it was a huge truck bomb outside of the gate. Oh, geez. And uh, my laptop, I was playing WoW. And my... <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were playing World of Warcraft. Exactly. <laughs> well, my character, I think, in WoW, you know, has suffered PTSD because of this. <laughs> That's my theory, anyway. No, I'm so the bomb lands, what do you think it was? An in-game explosion? You're like, damn, those, that audio is really good. <laughs> I was like, damn, I didn't know my laptop had this kind of reaction. My laptop jumped up two, two inches from the desk I was on. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. It flew up in the air while I was typing. Good Lord, man. <clears throat> I'm surprised. So, so you said that. So I guess the internet connection was good enough so you could play online. I wasn't really playing WoW. I just made that up. Okay. <laughs> I just made it. It sounds good, Brett. <laughs> you're asking too many questions. Now you're, you're, you're making me be truthful about this. Shut up, Brett. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, though, we did have a great connection. We had a fiber connection to Pakistan. Mm. But one day, somebody cut the damn line, and we had to rely on whatever. They had microwave after that, right? Site to site. Right. Or um, how do you call it? Anyways, uh, they have to face each other. And we had that microwave stuff, which was just crap. So it went downhill after somebody cut the off. <laughs> well, then, you know. I, Talk about PTSD. There it is. I, okay. Okay. I got to <laughs> ask because I, I'm the guy when shit pops in my head, I got to ask that stuff. So you've got, you've got all these men on the base. Yeah. Well, you've got, <laughs> I'm but, just wondering. Was, was the internet connection good enough so they could watch certain videos when they wanted oh. to? <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that, sir. Well, I know. You, you, of course you wouldn't. <laughs> You're an upstanding, wholesome person. <laughs> but you were surrounded by all these not-so-much-upstanding people. <laughs> and let me just add to that, that the men and women were not allowed to be anywhere near each other. Oh. Okay. Oh. And there's no alcohol allowed in the entire country. Ooh. So now what you got? A computer? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's what you got. <laughs> that's exactly what you've got. So yeah. it yeah. you make the you make do with the best you've got. <laughs> yep. I'm sure there was a lot of streaming going on. Oh, without a doubt. Without and a the doubt. The walls were very thin there, so it was kind of hard sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and for the for those listening, Mark had, uh, I was texting with him four or five days ago and I asked him if he'd like to be on the show. And he was like, I'm not very interesting, Brett. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm sure you are. Besides, I just need someone knowledgeable. I'm sure you're more than interesting. So 
we hear these stories now. Mark is extremely interesting. He lied to us. So not only did he lie about World of Warcraft, but he's, lying, he's, he's been dishonest about how interesting he is as well. So. <laughs> now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so you had you had mentioned because um, I was like, "What would you like to talk about?" And you mentioned virtual security engineering. Yes. Explain. I don't know why this isn't a thing. I just, and I would agree. I don't understand it. Why? With with <clears throat> with your cities being hacked and your county government and municipalities out there getting all ransomware and everything and uh all this stuff happening to hospitals you know i work in the healthcare uh, industry as well the majority of our work is hospitals and whatnot right now but uh, right. uh i see a huge need for somebody to just be there to be your security person and it doesn't have to be uh you know 40 hours a week Somebody like me to come in and do, you know, we have what we, for example, a SIM, we have logging taking place. We have security logging, data security logging. That is hopefully, hopefully people are doing in their organizations. Some of them aren't, but anyways, you need somebody to watch that to make sure that uh, nothing funky is going on in your network. Right. It could be a virtual security engineer coming in virtually remotely, not coming in physically that is. And, just logging into the site saying, oh, oh, yep, this looks good. That's an hour billing for the week or whatever, or a day or whatever. Sure. You're done. That's, that's a lot better than not having anybody. I mean, it makes sense to have an expert available. I, I, I agree. I agree. And, however and, many hours a week. No. And, you know, we've, we're, we're in a position now, as everyone, everyone listening knows, right now we're going through this whole coronavirus, not only the virus itself, but the, the fear of it. And, and people are being told to stay at home, work out of the house, things like that. So it seems to me that, that especially right now, we have a need for this. But I'll tell you what I, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this. I was in North Carolina about six weeks ago. And I won't tell you the city that I was in, but I was giving a presentation. When I got through the presentation, a gentleman walks up to me and he was the network administrator for that county. And he had been in the military. He looks at me. He was like, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. He was like, uh, look, he said, I just got out of the military and uh, I don't know what I'm doing. And I it got me so bad. I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, look, he said, honestly, I'm the network admin and I don't understand this job at all. And I'm like, okay, so what, what's going on? He's like, well, we've got Splunk. And I was like, okay, that Splunk's great. <laughs> he yeah. was like, he's like, but it just, we've got it on. But other than Splunk, I honestly don't know how to do any of the work that I'm required to do. Yeah. And it got me so bad that, um, you know, I was like, look, I said, uh, 
anything I can do to help you, I will. I said, I'm not really trained in the type of job you do. I said, I'm more cybercrime, identity theft, that type of, of aspect. And, um, I mean, he was, he was honestly worried about that. So when you mentioned me about virtual security engineers, about people coming in, you know, remoting in and, and helping out this, this seems to be exactly what we need because let's be honest we've got a lot of people that are entering the cybersecurity field when they come out of the out of whatever education background they've got for that there's there's this big disconnect between the education environment and what actual cybersecurity looks like mm-hmm. so we've got that problem we've got a lot of people too that you know they take the boot camps just to pass the certificate so they understand exactly what's in the boot camp but they don't understand anything else outside of that so it seems to me that that what you're talking about fills that hole pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned this guy and I'm kind of picturing him in his admin role in the army. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm seeing it for real because I've seen him. All they do is sit there and make a couple shares and they just sit back and relax for the next, you know, the rest of the day or whatever. Exactly. It's not exactly. that hard of a job there. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. Um, here he is. He's, he's being faced with Splunk. Okay. <laughs> Splunk is the hardest logging system ever. Yes, yes, yes. If you have your own certification program, you know it's going to be difficult. Right. You know, it's like having get, getting another degree or something. It's like having a college degree and just Splunk. I agree. Uh, I, agree. I don't know if you've ever done like an actual query in there, but the query language isn't even standard. It's like its own, you know, it's kind of like learning new code. No, I agree. I agree completely. So, so how does this guy who's an admin going to do that. Well, he's not. He's going to say, he's going to look at it and says, well, I think it's working because I, <laughs> I think it's working. It looks like it's working. It's doing something. <laughs> well, little numbers that are going up, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, and this was the, um, I went, I was in North Carolina the week after the Cherokee nation had been hit with ransomware. And it was, as far as I know, it's the first time that ransomware was installed by an insider. And what had happened was Cherokee nation, one of the uh, techies over there, he had been accessing the Cherokee nation's surveillance cameras to look at women. They had found, yeah, yeah. They found out about it. So they suspended him a week later. It's hit with ransomware. Turns out dude got pissed off and installed ransomware on the system. Of course he's charged for that now. But uh, it seems to me that we've got, as you, you mentioned, healthcare and everything else, we've got a whole slew of cybersecurity issues that could be addressed. You know, I, certainly you have the on-site people. I don't think that's going to change. But we, we have professionals out there like yourself that could come in and do virtual engineering as well and, and really plug a lot of these holes that need to be plugged. Yeah, and that's pretty, pretty much it. That's essentially the services, you know. It's- it's your security guy who doesn't need a learning curve, right. who knows what the hell they're doing, and, and is taking a very productive amount of time and charging you for what is reasonable and appropriate for the size of your organization to make your data secure. I think it's worth it, no matter where you're at, you know, public, private institution, all that jazz, you know, everybody should benefit from, from a service like this. I agree. So, so let me ask you, so, and because, you know, I'm the crime guy. How would be a safe way for a company to do this so that a company doesn't go and get some, some idiot out there that's looking to remote in and install crap? Uh, you, can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I don't know. There could be some kind of vetting uh, process. 
Um, that's a good question. You know, I think you got to look at, you know, investigate people on LinkedIn like you do. Sure. Or excuse me, other places like that where you can kind of be vetted a little bit. I mean, I, <clears throat> for example, you know, again, that's a real good point you make. When I don't know if you ever heard of InfraGuard. I have, yes. But they Love kind them. of vet people, right? right? They got, you know, FBI's there. So they kind of vet you. Um, another organization, I got my carry conceal permit, right? So they vet you. They look at your your uh, criminal history and all that jazz. Sure. And, so I don't know. Maybe there should be a vetting process somewhere along that line. Well, that's a pretty good idea. I mean, you could, uh, you could certainly have yeah. a, a well-known group or organization vet the virtual people that way um, and, you know, make sure that uh, anyone who's interested in that only goes with someone who's approved. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Why don't you go ahead and make that happen? <laughs> well, I think we need to start talking about it. We're and we are talking about it now. So maybe, maybe we can ha start having this conversation with more people. We'll see. <laughs> you know, well, I, th I think it's a great idea. Yep. <laughs> what What do you think the problems are coming up with cybersecurity? Uh, you know, it's the same old SOSDD. Is that the? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's pretty much what I see. I, I'm asked all the time, what do you see as the, uh, the, the new crimes in three to five years? Well, it's the same as the crimes that are going on right now. Same yeah. crimes that were happening 10 years ago. So some different tools. That's about it. The crime is humanity. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, you know, there are, there's, there's going to be continue to be new, uh, Indicators of compromise, new threat avenues. Avenues is not the right word, but new uh, indicators. And there's going to continue to be human error involved with problems that arise, you know, because they don't have a security engineer to do the right thing. Right. Or they don't, they're not doing their job, or whatever the problem may be. But automation and AI will help us with some of that stuff. You're right. You're right. It, it will. I'm not sure it's going to get worse. I don't know. It's not going to get worse or better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what, what I think too. You know, we've got, uh, and I've been bitching about this past few weeks, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, we've got all these security companies out there. A lot of them are simply snake oil salesmen. There are some good ones, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much status quo. I mean, it's, it's compromising the human. It's uh, using the same old off the shelf products that criminals have been using for a while. Um, my, my view is that criminals are becoming a little bit better educated on how to use some of those tools, but, uh, it, it's, it still remains the status quo. Um, what I, uh, you know, before we, before, before we close the interview, I don't like to leave people down. So what type of suggestions do you have that people need to do? Not only just citizens, but companies to have better security overall. You know, it's not a shortage of people. They're not gonna. They're gonna say that there's a there's a there's a shortage of talent. I think what they mean is there's a shortage of extremely good talent. Ah, right. And right. there is that because I'm involved with that. I see a lot of BS, like you mentioned. I've seen the snake oil. I've seen people on the other side, though, corporations accepting the snake oil, so they can check off their little box. Sure. So not a lot of people are really, uh, you know, it's almost like working for the government. It's not their money. They don't care how they spend it. In a company, 
less fraud happens because it is their money. But it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else that works there that is not involved with the money is doing the right thing for the right purposes. Right. Uh, so my concern is only that guys get the right services out there. Guys and gals get the right services from the right people, from reputable sources. I'm not trying to sell myself here. Just find a good reputable source that gives you good services that you're, you're very happy with. And stick well, with. and I appreciate you saying you're not trying to sell yourself, but let's be honest. You are, you are well-versed in what you're talking about and where a lot of people are not, you are. And uh, I appreciate you saying, uh, saying that you're not trying to sell your services. So let me do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is, is extremely knowledgeable and very competent. I would say beyond competent with everything he talks about. Um, so you could, uh, you can't do much better than reaching out to Mark for information, for services, everything else. Um, Mark, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you coming on. I think that you're an extremely fascinating person and I would really like to have you back on again, if you don't mind. Yeah, I appreciate that, Brett. Uh, and I'll continue to listen to your podcast because I think they're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Mark. Have a great day. As a final note to this episode of the Anglerfish podcast, Mark Wabell would like you to know he understands PTSD is an extremely serious issue affecting many people. And while he joked about a World of Warcraft character suffering from it, he does not intend to dismiss the severity of PTSD and urges those suffering from it to seek out help. And we at the Anglerfish podcast would like Mark to know we think he is an outstanding person and we appreciate all he does. Remember, Stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.